with Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. This is a special, I'm so Corey, this is a special episode um, and out of my comfort zone because I'm being interviewed by Taylor Edgen. Hi guys. You might experience, I shouldn't put it out there, but I guess I go to shouldn'ts sometimes. I'm like, let me jump into it. Just do it. You know, I don't know how I'll do being interviewed on something I'm used to hosting. I've never even interviewed someone, so <laughs> I, this is going to be a new journey for both of us. <laughs> And it's going to be great. <laughs> yes, and a quick note. We've had some technical changes with the podcast, uh, uh, if you're listening on iTunes. So please, this might sound weird. If you can, unsubscribe and press subscribe again. So just resubscribe and you'll be good getting the updates on the episodes. Otherwise, you might fall out of the loop. Good to know. Yes. Okay. Well, hello, Galeep Freelander. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, your own interview. So welcome. <laughs> And thank you for having me. I feel very honored to be able to interview such a warm, determined fellow female go-getter and life chaser. I want to say life chaser rather than dream chaser because I feel like you really take the time out of each day to make sure you're living your best life, I've noticed. So I really appreciate you for that, and I I feel very special to be here. Thank you. Uh, Why don't you give our guests a quick little bio and background on yourself? Okay. It all started in now. Um, By the way, guys, I'm completely blushing because I'm bashful. (laughs) People might not know I'm such a bashful person. Okay, born, raised, trained in New York City. If you listen to this, you know that. You know, like, duh. Started dancing my professional jobs as a dancer when I was a late teen, then went into college fully, Uh, went to the University of Southern California, started as a theater major, and then I didn't know I was going to be asked that. (laughs) Started as a theater major, ultimately got my degree in communication, which I feel has played a really big role in my journey and the way that I've treated my path. When I graduated, I was like, hmm, what am I going to do with my life? Which path do I go down? And I chose, I remember the moment it was spring break of my senior year of college. I'm going to go for this dance thing that I've been talking about and dreaming about, you know, since I was 13 and knew I, I, it had chosen me when I was 14. And I started navigating the industry out here in LA as a dancer. I also started teaching at the time, or I shouldn't say started teaching. I was teaching through college. Um, but was also pursuing that and really step by step, mistake by mistake, started getting into that world. I have gotten to dance in numerous music videos. I've gotten to go on tour, danced in China, choreographed a promo tour across the U.S. I've worked with Prince as assistant choreographer. I've gotten to teach at studios including Broadway Dance Center in New York, Debbie Reynolds, Movement Lifestyle, Lula Washington, Light Dance Studio, um, and many more. And in this time of my life, I'm focusing very fully on my teaching, my artistry as a dancer. I'm getting to choreograph for the Spark Kids, so I'm their entertainment director. The podcast, like, what am I forgetting? Everything. Don't speak, and 
I have a passion for wellness and being balanced, so I've also been a personal trainer for years and have a special place in my heart for training dancers. So I do conditioning for dancers and personal training. And last thing that I left out was I'm a proud graduate of the famed school, LaGuardia High School. I actually went there for theater. Wow. So That's amazing. So what are all of the styles that you've trained in? Okay. That means, like, taken at least a few classes? Yes. Or, okay. Like, actually trained, not just, oh, I'm going to go take this Afro jazz class one time and say I'm trained in it. Okay. So that would be, so, like, that would be my summer with tap. So I can't okay. say tap because it was just a summer. But it is still a summer. Tap. That's trained. Ballet, jazz. Okay. Some Horton, West African. Horton. Mm-hmm. Horton technique. It's a technique of modern. Okay. I've done some contemporary, but when I say some, I mean some. That was when I was doing summer intensives. Hip hop. I like to make the delineation that I learned a lot of hip hop through the freestyle world, battles just going out, and then also at the studio. House, whacking, voguing, popping, locking. Uh, there's different debates on how far you go in the subcategories when answering this, but also floating, gliding. Wow. Um, I know that I'm so extremely well-trained and very, Thank very you. versatile. That's amazing. Thank What's your you. favorite so far? Shoot, I don't have a favorite, but... <laughs> A piece of my soul is hip-hop, and the farther I get along in life, I realize that a lot of nuggets from hip-hop were just there growing up, going to parties. Um, and popping and whacking, even though I have a ways to go with popping, there's something about the execution of it, the soul, and the freedom of it that speaks to me. Absolutely. I definitely see that in your whacking, because I like just recently kind of went and like stalked you, and really <laughs> was like watching. I saw like what you did with Cam Elite, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Oh, and then you, you have it like in your dance reel, that whole I don't know, it's like a black background. Mm -hmm. There's like a bunch of people around you, and you're just like ska ska ska, and you are just incredible. And Thank I think you. free is such a perfect word for your movement period because even in your like stretch and strengthening classes I feel the whole thing is based off of like allowing your body to get to the freedom it needs to to have the self-control you need if that makes sense it makes perfect sense it's like it sounds like it contradicts each other but it really benefits each other thank you so. I found um and something I really admire other people when they can go without dancing for a long time and kill it I find that it's a very quick window of time where I suddenly I'm just not connecting my soul with my body right. and I can feel it and when I train more there's that freedom and that space to express whatever emotions I have or whatever I need to challenge and when I don't it's not there right definitely so coming from New York in this crazy background that you have what exactly made you decide to go to LA instead of staying in New York where you can be comfortable and have all of these opportunities and connections you've already made for years and years Great question. This is a debate that my mom and I have to this day. We really? still discuss the choice of which city to be in. Right. LA was the place that I always heard that you go if, if you want to have consistent workflow, although okay. it shifts between coasts. When I went to LA for college, I didn't know that I was going to stay here. I just wanted to get acclimated in a city that I heard was really tough to right. build a, a network in. Right. When I graduated, I had made connections in L.A., and again, I just heard there's more work. It's less of a struggle. 
because I've seen the way that my friends in New York, I'm sorry, right. like New York is tougher right? in different ways, but it's just tougher to struggle and be low on funds. So LA had the more working choreographers, supposedly more work. That was, I know I'm being redundant. And then as I stayed here, I realized the quality of life for me is higher here. I'm very sensitive to weather. Right. Just having more sunshine, I'm happier, I feel more productive here. And again, it's just, you get more access to the world out of LA especially, and it might be shifting, but you have the film industry, you have more tours booking out of here, you have more TV shows building, so you get more eyes on LA. And I believe when you make it here, you have access to a wider range of places. Right. Definitely answers it. Absolutely. That was a great answer. Thank you. So I didn't know you. your college was out here. So you kind of mentioned it earlier, but how exactly has college impacted your career and how you live today? Well, first of all, I will backtrack and say that even though college had an impact on me staying here, it wasn't the ultimate reason. I thought I was going to go to New York right. probably after college still. Right. I, uh, it's so interesting when people hear that I went to college and they're like, oh, is it a waste? And right. absolutely not. I think that each person has their very unique path. I wanted to learn and be in class with the people that might hire me one day. I heard so many stories from the time I started dancing of dancers being disempowered or kind of, sometimes it sounded like not knowing up from down once you were on a job right. or how to negotiate so I wanted to empower myself by understanding the world of the people that will hire me and then if I'm like we went to school together it just right. evens the playing level I don't feel desperate about anything I have more ownership having those four years to learn and grow and develop my person more was really important now where I'm at I'm like oh I'm getting my my degrees, like all my loans and everything, it's right. getting to be worth it. Just working with deadlines and knowing how to manage projects. I, I got that a lot in college. I worked with a group of entrepreneurs and we would throw parties. It was called Trojan Man Entertainment. Wow. And like even just having that togetherness and having that safe space. I mean, if we failed, we'd lose money, but right. it was still relatively safe. Being in classes and communication and understanding the impact of marketing and branding. Right. So it's all coming together now. The content of the classes, the types of students that I was around. For instance, being entertainment director for the Spark Kids, a lot of my job is interacting with the dancers and their parents. Right. And knowing how to communicate. communicate and get multiple messages across and right. make sure everyone's happy. And then working with my higher ups and I'm like, oh, this straight up was, you know. Right. It came around once you started becoming an entrepreneur even more, I feel. Yes. Isn't absolutely that crazy? Yeah, and I resisted it. I didn't know how to apply what I had learned when I was a dancer. Right. In retrospect, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have totally treated myself more like a business. I just didn't know what that meant. Right. That's, I, that, I feel, is a discussion within itself is really being a business and not just being a dancer. And I feel like that's why you and I connect very well because our first mindset right now is business over talent and that doesn't even say our talent is less important. It just means we know how heavily important being our own brand and our own business is. And it's going to keep bringing us more jobs for our talent and allow us to put our talent to use in better places. So I think that's really, really amazing that you took the time to go learn Thank and you. really understand the business side of things. 
because I don't think people really know how important it is out here. You know, and and there was this idea before when you hear that you are your own business. I felt like, oh, does that mean that you're cold and you're not like you become a commodity, not a person, or right. this implication that it would be fake and inauthentic? Right. And I saw my friend. I actually did her podcast, Mia Pinchoff. She did it really well. That when she locked into herself as a business, I actually felt like her essence was coming across everything she did. She had learned how to do that. Right. So. I've actually taken an intensive before. I think it was called the Business of You, um, and we spent a weekend getting information on what how we actually come off, right? And narrowing in on how we're gonna promote those qualities. So I might have like twenty qualities I describe myself in, but there might be five that's coming across to people. Absolutely. So you focus in on those five things, right? As a fellow entrepreneur who's still very much engaged and takes a part in the entertainment industry. Do you feel not having a specific lane and wanting to attack multiple is a pro or a con? Oh my gosh, you are speaking to the question I've had for years. Forever. So what I'm hearing in your question is, does it work against you to do multiple things exactly. at once? Definitely. I got just like chills because this is the culmination of so many years of finding it out for myself. Right. You have to zero in. An example is... When I was out here and I was like, I want to dance and choreograph and teach and restart my acting career and personal train and then I have a side job and all these things, that's too much. I learned that and it was given to me in that weekend, actually I told you about that we really only have space for four to five things in our life that aren't spinning on their own. So once you have a business sometimes or a career that's moving you, you can kind of let that just do its thing. But we already have family or your significant other. You might have something in the area of health and wellness. You might already have a job that you need to pay your bills. Right. And then we have space for one, maybe two things. Right. And I think that I found it that you have space to grow one or two things very specifically without breaking down right. or without having other things suffer. I think it's so important to hold on to your purpose So if you know that you're meant to be doing, developing multiple things at once within your skill set, do it. But it was so powerful when I, like for my life and beneficial, and it was so hard when I had someone sit with me and coach me through to get down to like two things. Right. That's when things started moving. So I'll be specific. Right now I'm focusing on teaching, my personal training, and my podcast. I know it's three things. Right. Everything else is that's not like wellness and family is not priority. So when I accept jobs or the way I spend my time, it has to fall into those categories. Right. I have to make sure that I'm balanced within them. And then I let other things like fall to the, the bottom of the list and it's just not their time. Right. I found that I've developed so much more in the areas where I'm putting in my effort. And then I still have a little bit of space sometimes like... If I'm focusing on teaching dance, I'm still taking classes because it's important for me as a teacher to be in class. You know what I mean? Does that kind of... Yeah, and I think the hardest thing ever is kind of what you said about it's not the time yet. And for me, I'm very much so like, I feel like I'm always running out of time. Yeah. Which is so stupid because we're both very, very young and 
we really have all the time in the world. We have no time and all the time mm-hmm. if you really think about it. So I know that's very hard and especially for people like us who want to do everything all at once to be like, it's not time yet. We just like sit on it and let your other four to five really grow and manifest so it can be its own thing and then move on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. And it's really only two new things. Right. So it's not even... I burn myself out constantly and then it comes back down to what am I honoring. Right. It is so hard and one of the messages when I sit and meditate that I receive is like slow down, stop rushing anywhere. But what's helped me is focusing also on the why of it like why when I was pursuing dance professionally it's like why well because I love to do this is my purpose but when it went down the why's there was no why it needed to be my business right when I took on teaching dance I found that so many other things clicked and there was an energetic exchange of what I give as a teacher and what I receive monetarily that had it click into place and because I was that clear I also got that it filled in my creative why. And so some of the reasons why I wanted to do other things or, you know, I was going out on auditions for commercials and acting. Right. Why? I have a story to tell. I have something to express. Why? I enjoy being in front of the camera. Right. When I was clear on those whys, I realized that, you know what, for the next at least year, two years, three years, I can put all that wanting, like the creativity and this and that, and I can put it and merge it with my own business. Right. Definitely. This is like kind of completely off topic, but it did just pop into my head. As a woman who's in this crazy industry, how do you feel about relationships? Going out on dates and making time to see other people and be a human. I feel like you grabbed it out of the air because this is what I was thinking about today. Really? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about romantic relationships? Hi, yes. this is so good because I don't have one answer. I believe in having it all. And everyone has a different time. Right. So there's no one size fits all. But I know for myself that my tendency is to be too busy for love. So if right. that's my tendency, I know that's an area that if I don't actually create movement there, I could spend really my whole life without having any powerful romantic relationships. Right. And is that important to you, like having one? It's important, but I also have a blind spot there. Right. The reason, the way that I realized that my love life is important was I was doing, I was in a self-development course, I'm like all into that, called Landmark, and I I was always like, when they're like, where do you want your finances to be, like, where do you want your family to be, you know, all these important areas of life, I was like, at a 10, at a 10, at a 10, and then with love, I was like, a 4, and then I realized, I was like, looking at a piece of paper where I'd fill this out, and I'm like... I'm someone who wants tens across the board everywhere in my life, but love, that's my own BS. And I realize, so how it feels to me still is sometimes like it's not important, but I know that it's really a decision I made when I was younger, like this can wait, or I'm going to be successful but not have love. And it feels so real to me, but I know beneath that, my truth is that I feel so happy and um, living full out when I have that. Right. So... I think that for me, there's definitely seasons, like times where it's just, wow, I'm just like insanely busy and let me just not even worry about it. But right now I'm like, okay, go out, go out on a date. Right. 
how do you want to meet people? Like, I'm, I don't really like apps. Okay, how are you going to get out? Right. Go out of the house. Right. Um, be a human. Be a human. Yeah. And then find what that looks like for you. So for me, like, I might need to have shorter dates when I'm figuring out who I like because I don't have time for that. Right. And then the person that I'm with, he's going to need to be down. He might do something that's also on a weird schedule to have be with someone who's... Right busy but definitely I think it's so important and I wish that more artists would give themselves space and permission and challenge themselves even though that might be a weird word for this to go and have a love life because I noticed this from the get that so many dancers don't do that oh so true even um because I finally it's been like four years of me living out here I finally have a boyfriend yeah (laughs) I fight with myself every day on am I spending too much time with you because I feel like I need to go be working and then I'm like when I'm 99 years old laying in my deathbed I'm not gonna be like oh I wish I would have spent less time with my boyfriend it's like (laughs) there's just a balance yeah that needs to be had and I think a lot of people don't even realize what balance really means out here they just think if you're not working every single day you're not working hard enough you're not like living life to the fullest you're not being the best entrepreneur dancer trainee that you can be but it's like what what happens after that when you're burnt out and you don't want to dance anymore and you just want to be around people that make you feel like yourself you know um and I I guess I really just wanted to ask you that because I feel like I either meet people that are very against love or people that are very like need it they're like I need a boyfriend I need a girlfriend I need to be with someone and you've always been content with whatever, I feel. So um, I've always been really curious mm-hmm. on your thoughts on that. Just yeah. because I feel like you're so whatever comes, comes <laughs> type of person. And at the same time, I was hitting up one of my best friends last night texting her. Like, I just want to be out and like flirting and like right. living life. Like, at 10 p.m., that might be where I'm at. So, and then I had the other week, I went, like, I never go on dates, even though I'm talking about going on dates. Right. And I went on two dates in one day, and I was like, thank you. I was just like, let me just knock it all out (laughs) in one day. But then I was like, damn, like, that, like, I had a full day, trained, did all this other stuff, went on my two dates. I felt accomplished, but I was exhausted for, like, three days after. Right. You got to find it um, in a way that works for you, and I've learned to be... Whatever comes, comes, but also know that that's sometimes my own BS to myself. Right. So, like, Saying having... you don't have time and mm-hmm. realistically creating time for it. Yeah, and having it work. I was in a relationship, like, a, a, I've, like, never had normal relationships. That's, like, a, a different conversation, but I was in <laughs> one, like, the such a, like, healthy, normal one a couple years ago, and... I definitely fell off kilter and like everything went to the side and it was all about me and him. Right. But what I learned from that was I actually have some time and space to unplug. I overly unplugged. Right. But I needed to learn that and then when me and him broke up, I started spending that time with friends. So he taught me that relationship and even falling off balance taught me how you to have a bit more space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think dancers, everyone, if you have a too busy, an I'm too busy story, sometimes you are, but if years are passing, you might want to revisit that because that might be something that you're going to regret later in life. Right. Absolutely. So as someone who's been in the industry and like around here for 10 plus years, 
It's There's actually been almost 10 now. Almost 10. I think, yeah. Okay. I lie to myself sometimes, so I think it's close to 10, and I don't know it. But. Well, almost 10, <laughs> which is still way longer than most people survive out here, <laughs> you know? So long. Very long. How do you feel about the younger talent and the younger generation? Does it create any insecurities for you or your, your generation? Because I feel like you're in the perfect in-between of the quote-unquote millennials and the younger generation and the quote-unquote OGs of right now you know so one more time I want to make sure I understand correctly does it create any insecurities yes the younger generation and this whole like social media age so I can speak about the conversations I've heard because there's some that are very loud and then I can speak about my own first of all I'm really happy that dance has it seems like it's exploded more than ever I, I see a lot of talent to where I'm like, you, you have to believe in multiple lives because to see somebody who's under 10 execute movement in a certain way, like I'm still learning how to understand my body. Right. That's just something divine. There's also something a little bit scary there, which is that there's like no regulation, it seems, or very little. There's no gatekeeping. Right. So I always felt when I was younger, like sometimes there was too much gatekeeping. Like you had to like train under a very specific person to get that go ahead to teach something but sometimes there's more than that one person absolutely but it seems like right now like a free-for-all and I do believe that there has to be like younger dancers who want to know the fuller story of dance but when I'm teaching and I'm teaching a hip-hop class and nobody knows where hip-hop comes from or they don't know what funk styles are or they don't know like the difference between like voguing in hip hop right. or they don't have any understanding of jazz or ballet or the impact that West African as well as other African um, roots have on so many dances we do that makes me a little bit scared because I'm like we will always have that watered down conversation that's like a back and forth like when right. does something come watered down but I'm like if you can't even get the basics of info that makes me a little bit weary and then also what's happened with teaching I don't want to be that bitter person ever before I say this but I do feel like there is a disproportion between teaching experience and like background in dance and teaching clout right so someone could have been you know, taking class intensively from one teacher for three years, blow up on YouTube, and I'll be flown around the world to teach. Right. And then everyone's like, not everyone, but a lot of dancers are looking the same. So I'm looking more at dances and art form, and that's where I'm insecure. Right. In terms of talent, like level of talent, that's great. Also, I'm much more a teacher. When it comes to profession, right. I'm much more a teacher. So I want dancers to thrive. I want them to do amazing. Right. That's one reason why I enjoy like being more in that than professionally dancing. Definitely. And then as a dancer, as an artist, I want people that are fun to dance with. Right. So I want the level to be high because that gives me something to strive for. Right. Definitely. So does that does that answer it? It does. Um, or we can get more specific. I would love to get yeah. a little more specific sure. and just really like... I feel like even sometimes for me, I'm almost 22 in two weeks, I think. Oh, yeah. And I know, I know, yay, finally. <laughs> um, and seeing people that are like 12 years old booking the halftime show and then going on to all these commercials and then getting flown to teach and all these crazy things, I feel like sometimes puts me 
feeling like I'm five steps backwards, even if realistically I'm not remotely mm. close to that. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it just feels like seeing younger people do so well so young and having everything you want in their stage eight and you're on stage 22, you know? Mm. So I, I, I wanted to... I really want to know how that makes you feel. Okay. If I was fully professionally dancing, and I still, like, if I do a job, I'm so happy to do it, and I declare that I will have my Aunt Vivian moment. Like, I need to be right. a little bit older, train my ass off for this, and just go somewhere and just tear it down in an right. odd way. Like, oh. That was a great example. <laughs> I totally pictured her in her little her dance outfit. Sorry. I want to have a string. I actually want to have like a string of Aunt Vivian moments, maybe an Aunt Vivian year, which just like I gotta cuss. It's hurting not to cuss. Cover your ears, kids. Where it's like, who the fuck is she? Where the fuck did she come from? And it's just some different level of dancing. I want to challenge myself to a higher place, and I just come out of nowhere, like in a unitard, just like an animal, right? (laughs) Like out of the bushes, ankle Sounds so old. It does sound old. It sounds old as shit. <laughs> but I totally appreciate the Aunt Vivian Thanks. reference, period. Thank that was you. amazing. I use it too often and I use like one of the moves on like Aunt Vivian. <laughs> um, if I was still in the thick of auditioning and not putting it down, it is a grueling world. And I'm auditioning with dancers 10 years younger, and they are just murdering it and getting booked. I just don't know how you... Of course you want to be like, everyone has their time and their place. If I'm not quite booking yet, yes, I think that would definitely have an impact. Because we are in a very comparison-based field. You are in a room being compared, and there's a panel watching you. Right. Comparing. Comparing you. (laughs) And that was one of the reasons when I started questioning things, even a few years ago, I was like, I feel weird... And this might be ego or something. I just don't feel right next to someone nearly 10 years younger than me competing for the same thing. Yeah. I want to help them. I want to teach them. Okay. And that's maybe my own thing. I don't want to work against them. And also, I started realizing I don't want the thing they want as bad as they want it. Right. That's huge, so, actually. In terms of now the really young kids, I hope that they have some sense of humility and just keep on growing themselves as dancers. And then in terms of teaching, the gatekeepers are the studios, I believe, and the conventions and anyone who's hiring a dancer. And I think it should be positioned in a way that you get that this person has only had so many years. Now, I could be wrong, but... You know, if you're teaching dancers, do you understand how their body should be moving? Are you making technical corrections so they don't injure themselves? Do you know what the intention of this class is? Do you know where the move that you're teaching comes from? Right. Can you reference that? Can you reference where your own background is? Right. So it makes me just a little bit uneasy. It makes me just uneasy. Okay. And then in terms of booking big jobs, if you're right for the job, like, cool. Right. There's something about... um, someone very young doing something at a very high level we're like oh my gosh it's just for each age there's different things that are going to make it impressive right so does that yeah me personally also any job and any opportunity I have and don't have is my own responsibility right so it's not that somebody else got it it's my own responsibility I appreciate that so how do you feel that like social media affects you personally and then your age group So I'm an 80s baby, and I'd be with the late 80s babies and the early 90s babies probably. Maybe some mid-90s babies want to crawl up in there. 
Social media. I can only speak for myself, I think. First, I was like, whatever. When YouTube was out, I was like, good for YouTube. I like keeping things exclusive. Mm -hmm. And if it came from the street, keep it on the street. And I resisted YouTube for a really long time to my detriment. But that's okay. Like, I own it. So that's, first of all, I'm always resistant. Now I've embraced social media. For the most part, I've embraced Instagram. And then I've given up with YouTube because I'm like, everything gets teared down. Yeah, definitely. And I don't want to... I want to create what I want to create on. Like, I'm still an artist hippie like that. Like, let me roam free. And then Facebook, I use it to keep in touch. So I use it. I have a lighthearted relationship with it in the sense of I'm like... I think I have, like, 2,000-something followers still on Instagram, and I post almost every day. Right. And I'm like, eh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have a fantasy of, I like being sometimes a well-kept secret, although right. a well-kept secret doesn't, you know, but I'll, I'll make my way the way I make my way. Right. And then I find myself on social media a lot, and then naturally comparing and going through these things that we're just learning about happens with right. social media. Like, I seen it like it can increase depression all these things so I'm also in the throes of it right I wanted to see it kind of answered itself but what the negative effects it has had on me or on me personally wow that I look at social media too often and I get stuck in a social media loop right it happens I've become more over it when I see some dance stuff because I'm just so inundated with stuff and I'm like, this is the same, that's the same. I don't even want to watch another dance video. It's hard for me to look at one when I used to just be excited or be like, but things might also all be looking the same. It's given me space to start appreciating that I can share my journey. I've always been motivated by people who grind hard and share that step by step. So like that's what I loved about like, or love... No, he doesn't seem to do it anymore. P. Diddy. Like, he'd be like, listen up, y'all. I'm about to, right. like, run this marathon. Let's, like, right. you know, he make a show about it. And then the making of. And then I remember watching some of the athletes at college. And when they posted and stuff, I'd be so motivated. So I get to do that. Right. And I'm realizing now, really, like, I can, mo- you know, I can show this is what I eat. This is where I'm going. These are the 20 things I did today. I just want to make sure not to get stuck in it, but it's actually let me have a bit more of a voice. Cool. I love that. I definitely love that. And I'm also on the fence with um, when it comes to class. Sometimes I'm like, screw this. Even if I might be not benefiting something in the future, I'm like, screw this. I'm here for the kids, like, right now taking class. This doesn't need a camera today. Right. I feel the same way. That's something I've been trying to balance as well is going back into class with the mindset of this is really so I can learn. Yeah. This isn't just for extra training because, you know, you can get training in anything, but Mm -hmm. what are you really working on learning and, like, fully a thousand percent engaging your mind? Because when you go into class and you're like, okay, I probably will film the end of this class, that's like an 85% focused on the class and how you're doing 15% focused on making sure one that you're gonna record yourself two are you gonna go out and be recorded in a special group three who needs to have your phone to record you four are you gonna like look at your phone when you're being recorded it's like it kind of takes away much more than we really understand it takes away and I think it took me even Someone, like, I asked them to film me in the class, and they were so rude to me. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, wow, that's really, like, that's just so stupid. Like, 
it's just filming. All you have to do is film. And then it's like, I just took away a minute, 30 seconds of someone else's time to make sure that they film me and not let them practice. And then also make sure that I'm taking time to go get someone instead of me practicing. So I definitely understand and support going into it with, I don't need to have my phone and I don't need to be recorded. And what happens, happens. If I'm in a group, I'm in a group. If I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm a bad dancer. It just means I'm learning, you know? I mean, also as a teacher, I have to put myself in check. Uh, It depends what the objective of the class is, but I don't film a lot of my classes. And my conversation inside is, let me have a class that's so powerful that people need to talk about it, need to bring their friends, and, like, need to go, and let it have that energy. Right. And, like, game on. It's, if it's a challenge, it's a challenge. But I'm also noticing, is it me or... I love a good speech, but I feel like a lot of, like... Now I feel like I'm seeing a slew of, like, in-class speeches. Yeah. What I've noticed on the skew of in-class speeches are they're usually done to be recorded, which is great because it is getting your wisdom and your knowledge and your perspective out. But I feel like there are some people who put a really big focus on that instead of just letting it come naturally and not having to be like a magical wisdom guru in every single class you know yeah I in this moment I'm realizing like the classes that I took growing up what I remember it's we also would build concepts much more slowly because there was no pressure of camera so the thing you might get in class is understanding where to put your center you know, we'd right. spend maybe five minutes on press down in the floor to go up on Releve. Right. Hip-hop, you might be, you know, getting into position, learning the dance that it originally came to. Like, like, let's say the rooftop and then figuring out, okay, what are my shoulders doing? What's my level? Oh, yeah, where did the rooftop come from? And that would be a piece of class. It wasn't about the finished product. Right. And I feel so passionate about making sure that we still have that in this generation. Right. Like, all the generations. Not all about choreo. Right. Absolutely. There's balance. Mm-hmm. Definitely a balance. So, what makes slash made you, of all people, able to host a platform like Dance Speak, <laughs> where you're literally bringing in some of the biggest choreographers, up-and-comers of this dance generation? That's such a fun one. All right. I want to start with, please know, if you're listening... I hope, like, whoever's listening is listening. Sometimes it won't make sense until it happens, meaning I've always had many different... Um, I, I had, like, a daydream of hosting a talk show, I think, when I was, like, six. And it was just because someone told me I talked too much, so I should host a talk show. They were, like, hating on me. Right. And it, I suddenly started picturing Oprah. Yeah. So let's say there's that. So let's say as a human, I've always been interested in people. I'm motivated by the process. Right. There were little steps. Bravo, years and years ago, had a documentary show about actors before they became the Bravo TV we know now. It was very underground, and I love the nitty-gritty stories. Reading a book called White Swan, Black Swan, where it's essays of ballerinas that were big expose. I had all these seeds planted to where I want to interview or know more about the people in our industry. So we have that, like just the desire. Then... The knowing about dance, I always have so much more to learn. There is an infinite amount of knowledge out there, but at this point, I've been in the dance world for like 16 years. Just being in different aspects of it and having that 
ballet modern world, you know, growing up going to Alvin Ellie and Ballet Hispanico and seeing that view and being in classes and summer intensives and performing and being in a crew, like all this other stuff, I understand the dance world. I feel pretty confident that I can say that. Then actually navigating the dance world as a dancer, as a choreographer, as a teacher. I know I say that a lot, but like really going through it and then having so many instances where I was like, I wish I would have known, you know, going and auditioning for Lady Gaga and having Richie talk about, well, we want dancers that can execute like this and like, don't take class like that. And that's one person. But I was like, wow, it took me how many years to get into this audition room and find out that piece of information just going through it. Like, if I had had just all the answers, I don't think I would have been able to be so curious. Right. The not knowing. And then the relationships that I've just built over time without any attachment. So, you know, one of my first guests, Ade Chike, we went to high school together. Right. I had another guest, Manway, who's in the Magic Mike show in Vegas now. He's done so many jobs. I took his class a decade ago. Wow. I interviewed DJ Dubs. I took his class more than a decade yeah, that's ago. Crazy. And then, so, you know, I, Aisha Francis, I was taking her class, and me and Aisha have a rapport. I gave a, an on-camera testimonial a couple of years ago. I think she's amazing. I always have thought that. So when you ask someone for something and you're not a stranger, you can also more likely get a yes. And they right. know you come from a good place. Right. And the lastly, hosting... I had this idea for Dance Week. I have to share this because I wanted to, I attempted to have like a YouTube film something a few years ago. The first interview was with Connect and then the person who filmed it just like, well, they either filmed it or it was, the file didn't show up. The file went missing. That was that. I tried doing a documentary when I was in high school. The person who was filming, very shady, that never happened. Right. And then one day I'm driving, um, I had just started listening to podcasts, and it just hits me, do a podcast. Within 24 hours, I'm at my friend's house. I think I maybe have shared this story, I don't know. Uh, his name is Randy Amata, he did the intro music. I'm talking about this, because I'm like, I-, I just have to do this. But how am I, like, I'm not a technical person. His son was in the room, Dakota, who masters all of these tracks and was doing all the editing at the beginning. And he was like, I'll do it. It was just oh. like that. And then I was like, okay, who's going to host it? <laughs> and Dakota was like, you should probably host it. Just like do it. Right. And I was like, what makes me able to be a host? And the answer was like, there is no answer. Just do it. Right. Do you feel like you've received any backlash from it at all? If I have, then it hasn't been to my face and it hasn't oh. gotten to my ears. The biggest backlash, which isn't quite it has been it is vulnerable right I get to listen to myself and I learn as I do um I've had people flake out in weird ways right you know sometimes I'm like is this all in vain that I'm doing it so and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of heart I haven't gotten backlash but I've gotten like what it is to put yourself fully into something and possibly fail definitely So what is your ultimate goal, best, biggest thing that could happen to Dance Week for you? Ooh. At the very least, I know you're saying best, biggest goal, I want there to be a library of stories for the amazing people in this dance world. Like, I'll just be so happy with that, but I want to get this to, I don't know, 10 million ears. 
Right. 10 million ears, and I want to have a visual component. I want this to be a segment on a show, but in all of its rawness. I want to be able to write about it, and I want to be able to... The, every episode I do, and I want to give credit, it's on other people's experiences. I feel like I collect information and things that gives me more to share. Right. I'd love to like come and like share this with different groups and help motivate and inspire them off of the things that I have learned from having these people in person. Right. These definitely. people. <laughs> these people. No, that's it. That, that's great, and I, I definitely hope... At the very least, that's what you get. Thank you. Because I don't think people understand how powerful this whole podcast is and how truly powerful the people you've had on here are. Thank you. Like, you have some serious heavy hitters, OGs, people who have booked more than I could even dream of, you know? So it's very impressive, and I, I definitely hope that you get nothing but the least of that. Thank you. I just want this to, like, inspire the people it's meant to inspire and... I hope that the my listeners know that there's something for every level of listener. Right. You know, whether you're starting out or whether you've been in this, you know, industry forever and want to know what that person over there who's been booking, you know, what their trick is. Would, do you have a favorite episode? Um, I really liked Connect's episode. I haven't gotten around to all of them. I'm, like, itching to hear Dove's. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's like one that is on like my next. Yeah, that's kind of my next to do. Awesome. Um, but I really loved Connects and really, I haven't heard. Oh man, I really wish I could remember. But I listened to your very. It wasn't. I listened to Ade's, I think. Trey? It might have been Trey's. Holloway? I think so. But it was just so much great information on dancing mm. that I didn't. I think that's what opened my eyes to how amazing your podcast oh, was. thank you. Was going back and hearing people, because I had been on it, and I'd only heard, I think, a days. Mm. Um, so I went back after I was on it, and I was like, I'm going to actually listen to these, and I listened to one before an audition, and it oh. literally inspired me to just be better for my audition. That's crazy. And go 150% more full out, because I think it was Trey's that I listened to, but there was just so much valuable information that I actually needed, like, right at that time. Oh, that I was like, dang, these podcasts are very important, and more ears need to hear it. Thank you. Absolutely. If anyone out there is listening and wants to do some marketing... <laughs> you're like, please. <laughs> I joke about it. I have, like, five different hats I wear with this, so right. that I have to yell at myself half the time. No, girl, I so. feel you. So this is kind of uh, backtracking, but I wanted to ask you about, like, your past professional jobs and your dance experiences and entertainment career experiences out here. But what is your all-time favorite professional job that you can remember? I've had a straight-up, like, funnest, just fra-la-la job was probably, um, and I interviewed Megan Nugent when we talked about it, going to Guatemala for, like, 25 hours. Just, you know, you're flown for something you love to do. We had great costumes. We were treated wonderfully. It was just fun. And it was one of those experiences where, like, wow, I get paid to do this. And Prince. Yeah, that would be legendary. How was that? It was, like, how I remember, ah, I think it was the movie Almost Famous. I was so green and didn't know it until I got on that job. It was incredible. I, oh, my goodness. This podcast... Okay. We call this the purple cloud. When you work with Prince, that just... Things would work differently in your life. Right. 
and you you just feel like you're in a different energetic cloud. It's the weirdest thing. I was working with Danielle Ortiz and Jewel Denegal. Danielle choreographer. I need to give you know credit. Jewel Definitely. was uh, co, and I was assistant. And then we had the twins, May and Nandy McLean, who are awesome. I need to get them on here. And they were his two dancers. He had two dancers at the time. It's very different to do that. Right. May and Nandy invited me to a barbecue at Randy Amata's house. Randy Amata did the music. His son's Dakota, who's done this. I kind of feel like this wouldn't exist without them. Wow. And it started with Prince. I learned huge life lessons every day, and it was probably through mess-ups. No one ever talks about it. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I, the fact that I was kept on after the first day, and I haven't shared this before, was like, it was a big blessing. That was Danielle being a kind person. Really? I, okay, so the fuller story is, um, I think this was like February, March, and my dad had passed in January. Wow. And he was sick for many years. He had a mystery disease. We don't know, but it kind of seemed like Alzheimer's, but it wasn't. So he was very, very slowly declining for nine years, and I still don't fully understand the toll it took on me because, you know, when you're young, it's tough having a sick parent, but when right. you're younger and developing into a grown-up and you don't have that full support, it is, like, really tough. Right. He passed in January. I went home. I was there mourning for uh, maybe eight days, and then I came back to L.A. and was like, okay, work time. Right. And I found out very shortly after that I had, you know, booked prints. And I didn't realize that I was grieving. And it, I just didn't know what I was in. So I was a mess. I was distracted a lot of the time. I would cry a lot. Things just, everything seemed difficult. I can't explain wow. it, but it was like, it was like walking and not being able to see. Right. Um. So, you know, whenever I had any type of, um, and, you know, Danielle, would, she would sit there and talk to me. And she would call me after rehearsals and be like, hey, how do you think today went? And then kind of, right. and that was amazing that she did that because instead of just leaving it be, she would actually develop me. She mentored me in that time. But I was in one of the darkest places I've ever been and also had to, like, pull up. Right. And I still feel like I just wasn't myself. Right. Wow, that would be so. very hard. I can't even imagine at all. I, there's so many things at the time where I was like, how, like, I can't believe I said that. Just so many moments where I'm like, what was I thinking? But then there's this other part of me, especially being older, where I was like, I was grieving. People don't tell right. you how to grieve. Right. Well, there's no right way ever, you know? So how you were was kind of one, how you knew how. I, no one can tell you how to grieve a parent, especially, yeah. you know, someone that raised you and is supposed to always be there, you know? So I feel like I would have acted nothing less of that, you know? It would have been probably much... I don't think I would have been able to handle that. So extreme kudos to you, especially because I never knew that. So that's incredible. Thank you. With that, then what do you feel is your worst professional experience? Do you have one? I feel weird saying it. Like, I shouldn't. It was the most incredible thing I had. But I was... When I took the job, like... No, I took the job, and I was graced with it when I was called in to work on the choreography before we even knew if it was, like, for sure that I would be coming in. Right. I was sick. Like, I just the whole time was, like, under the weather. Right. I wasn't sleeping. I was living with a roommate who had no sensitivity about anything. 
she didn't need to it's just it was like the like right i just i came it was home. a lot at once it was a lot i came home from the funeral like back to from home back to la and the first night she had like friends sleeping at the house and it was like right. like i need my my space right it was tough because i kept feeling like i i stepped on landmines and had to pull it together and was like i didn't feel like i trusted myself right and it was also, like, spectacular. I know I keep on saying that, but... So it was that. And if, for anyone who... If you keep on progressing in life, it's going to feel like that. Right. A lot of the time. Um, so it was the, still the best, but the hardest. Right. And then I did a music video years ago. And I was in rehearsal, and I was told it was going to be, like, a comedy music video. And the choreographer is very kind of booty-shaky. Right. And especially, like, now I feel... I still probably wouldn't have done do it now, but I'm much more comfortable in my femininity and sexuality. I wasn't there. It didn't feel right to me. Right. The choreographer even said, he was like, listen, if any of you aren't okay with this, don't do it. But I was, like, not about to walk out. Right. So I learned the choreo, but I'm like, okay, it's, like, for a comedic twist. I'm okay doing, like, a little, you know, booty pop for comedy. Right. We get to the music video set. They hand us an outfit it was like you've probably seen something like this on tv before i asked i meant it literally like oh where's the rest of it right there was no rest of it so it was like tiny booty shorts and a tank top and we're gonna do booty dancing and the set like it like it wasn't so much of a comedy as i thought it was and i did it and i felt cheap and i felt like this is not what i it was an easy shoot but I was like, it just didn't feel right with me. It had me need to question myself and where I was right. at and how hard I was pushing for what. Right. So That actually goes into my next question because I wanted to ask if, specifically as a woman too, because I, I know I've definitely been put in these situations, but have you ever been asked to do something out of your character for a job or opportunity was my next question. Multiple times. So with, when you say out of character, you mean like super sexy or... Out of your personal character. So on one hand, I want to be like, everything is a character. Right. Like, I've hardly ever done something, and it was just me chilling, you know? Right. It, it was some facet. So that's one aspect, doing things that were just more sexual than I was okay with or that felt cheap. Right. And I want to be really responsible that I was definitely over 18 and could have said no. Right. I just, you know, sometimes when you push so hard for something... You start yeah. getting opportunities. It's really hard to know when to say, hey, this isn't for me. Right. Some people are great about it. I wasn't. Definitely. So I had that. And what I want to say about that is first, if you've done that, be forgiving with yourself. But please know, like, so for instance, let's say I do really good with those jobs that don't feel right to me. I'm just going to attract more of those jobs. Right. If you're clear and specific about what you want, you're going to get what you want. And even if you're not approved of for saying no, you live with you. Right. So no. don't just blindly take everything under the sun. That's not going to do you too good. Luckily, it wasn't anything worse. I wouldn't have done anything more extreme. And then I've done things out of character. Like I did a, a show called Bali Doll, and it was Bollywood-based. It was They were setting it up to potentially go to Broadway, and I had to be this like kind of evil or like demonic queen of the forest. Okay. This might not mean the out of character you mean, but, like, it was kind of maybe the opposite of me a little bit. Right. And I loved it. I love doing things that are a stretch and right. far away because it was, you just indulge. A challenge. It was, but it wasn't. Okay. When something is so, 
when there's something I can sink my teeth into, it's actually easier. Right. Uh, I did a different character, like the, like a few months later, and that character didn't have anything for me to sink my teeth into, and right. I just felt like I was floating. Definitely. So does that kind of? Yes, for the most part. My kind of no is: Have you ever had someone? Be like, I need you to do this or you won't get this. Oh, that. Okay. No, those kinds of, us girls happen to get more than most people, but might be surprised. You never Yeah. You never oh, thanks for asking that. I wish there was more dialogue. And I've asked it, I think, in my earlier episodes. It's, it feels weird to refer to the show that I'm on and being interested. Like, I feel you. Ah! Um, yes, but not in the way that you think that one would think how it's happened to me is where it might be someone and I guess this might be a different level I want to know your thoughts where someone is clearly interested in dating right. there was one person he's a cool person I guess and he um like guess. cool like but I have a sensitive spot also right and he um he wanted to date me and he like made it really clear and then he also told me about this great dance opportunity and he um was like trying to do both at the same time right and I was kind of like we can hang out but I'm not interested in you in that way and I was supposed to do this great dance opportunity with a wonderful artist and that date came and went as I like now I also looking back on it I was being fidgety I wasn't I remember when I started feeling like he's really pushing I kind of got weird about communication so I could also be well, I don't know which, which happened where, but that's happened. Um, I had it before that I went to, I was working on a project and the director special requested me from through the producer to have a meeting at his home office. Right. In all fairness, he really works out of his home office. Right. And I went there and um, as it like got later and, you know, things are done at all hours in LA, I'm thinking. Right. And then he paused at one moment and asked me if I was dangerous. And, of course, like, all the conversation we had 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 been about career stuff. Right. And now he's asking me if I'm dangerous. And I, like, looked at him and was like, what, like, let's not bullshit. What are you trying to get at? Right. And kind of squished it. But what I did do in both scenarios was just act like everything was fine. Right. When, for me, that's a sensitive spot. Somebody in a position of power trying right. to manipulate or maneuver instead right. of being clear it's also okay to just be interested in someone right but trying to use one for the other it's like I'm super not okay with it and I acted more okay with it and I didn't want to step on any toes so right. in both situations I kind of like slid to the right and said I wasn't interested still tried to keep the business relationship alive right. and then I with the director and that was a much more difficult one because it was like right then there right and um, the someone's yeah, and he's, like, done, like, big budget stuff right. and, you know, powerful person. I found myself still trying to be good. Like, right. we had started working on, at that time, like, a dance movie script. Right. And I was, like, being good about, like, sending in the script. And then I realized I'm not okay dealing with someone who makes me feel that uncomfortable. Right. Okay, and I'm okay to let go of everything that... may have come of it and stop trying to be 50% the 50% you want and when I realized that this was like three years ago I never had one of those happen again right absolutely I feel like those happen a lot to smaller women that are cute and also just entrepreneurs I know we talked about it in my episode how hard it was to be a woman in the industry and 
that's like one huge thing that I feel like people don't talk about as often anymore because it seems like maybe it doesn't happen but it absolutely still does you know it's very hard and there's gray areas with it like nobody that has ever tried to pull one of those has been somebody I was physically attracted to right so if you're physically attracted to them like is like is that okay or does it feel dirty or right I don't... Have you had to deal with that in the last year? I definitely have had to deal with it. Um, I had one choreographer that, you know, I, I do happen to be friends with now, but at the time, he had always been trying to make moves on me, and it it was kind of pushed towards me that if I were to have a sexual relationship with him, I could book this job that I really wanted to book. And to me, it just wasn't worth it. I would much rather, like, you give give it up, yeah. you know? And I would rather live with myself and be like, you know, I didn't book this one job, but I have all these other jobs to book. And if I'm getting singled out like this, that means another person has been singled out like this with the that's same person. Operate. Exactly. And I've seen a lot of those girls go on to this job that I want to get on to and that I want to be a part of. And I'm like, I just don't want to get it the way that you got it. I want to get it because I genuinely deserve it. And I even feel within myself if I'm getting anything. Because I did something out of my character, I don't deserve it in the first place. You know? It's not... I tell myself it's not my job. It's not my opportunity. Right. It's just not mine. It might look like mine, but it's not mine. Right. So... Definitely. If you have to go that that kind of extra mile for it, it's not yours to begin with. I've had a couple choreographers... When I was younger, be a little bit creepy, but I don't remember if they even mixed in work. I think they were just creepy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Absolutely have my fair share. Oh. So what do you feel is your greatest lesson you've learned since you've been here? Oh, whoa, that's a big one. It is a big one. It's the top three that's coming up right now, because this is, like, going to be a book. Right. Thing. It sounds so corny, but going off the conversation we just had, stay true to yourself. That's tied together with know yourself, discover yourself. But when I got really clear about, like, like what's true to me, it's my personality, it's treating people a certain way, it's only being around people that treat me a certain way. Stay true to yourself. Number two is find something or find things that ground you and put them first. So... Uh, when I was getting called on auditions and working jobs that also were like not consistent I I didn't have any consistency in my schedule and when I started doing yoga that got me way more grounded because I had something that I could do early in the morning and rain or shine audition or no audition I was doing it for myself and then I started finding other things started grounding in my life and maybe one more oh in the spirit of industry create your own work Create your own projects, even if you're not, quote-unquote, entrepreneur. Why do I say quote-unquote so much? (laughs) Even if you're not an entrepreneur, let's say you're an actor, you make the roles that you want, just so you always have something you're working on, because when you meet people and you network and you have something to talk about that you're doing versus what you want, you're giving much different energy, you're developing yourself, you're grounding yourself, I love that concept. And then you get to connect with other people. Right. And I see so often people come out here. I see a lot in the dance world and they literally wait around. They smoke a blunt and wait around with their friends right. for jobs and gossip instead of just keep dancing. Right. So. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. 
Well, part of all of that, what is Galit's secret to being superwoman? What? I have that. That's like one of the first questions <laughs> I had written down. Oh, my God. When I met you, you were like one of the only people I feel like I could really sit and connect with or stand and connect with or walk across the street and run into you and connect with immediately. And I just feel like you are one of, not the only, because I've, I've definitely been blessed to meet a lot more recently, but... You're one of the very few people that have your head on straight that also is hungry every single day and, like, wakes up with, like, passion every day to do something, you know? Oh, my God. Thank you. Of course. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing in it, and, like, really thank you, is how do I stay driven, motivated? How do you just do what you do, do every single day? <laughs> oh, thank you. Let's see. <laughs> It's been a process over so many years. Like, I wasn't motivated before I started dancing. Right. And I, I was very, very messy in all areas for a long time. Okay. Clarity on what I'm committed to. Uh, health and wellness. So I know I'm going to do things that fall into that health and wellness. Connectedness. Making sure I'm talking to my friends or at least hanging out with a friend a week. And staying in right. touch with family, which I could be better at. I'm clear. Like, I want to keep dancing and moving so I make sure to move every day right. like so the more I do things I love the more energy I have when I narrowed down on what I'm focusing on most strongly it also gave me that like you know if you have too many things to choose from you freeze right so I have every day like I know even if I don't have a job I'm booked on I know where I'm going to put my energy and effort into right so I think that's how I keep my passion alive and constantly getting inspired, letting myself being inspired. Well, letting myself be inspired, that's like my life crack. Right. So I keep on taking it in. So how can I not be like, you know, even like, you know, we hang out, we talk and I see what you're up to and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love the way she's like so organized and she's on a roll. That energy immediately feeds into my right. energy. I constantly reevaluate, probably too much. That's also a weakness, but I reevaluate. So, you know, this week... I, I burnt out a bit yesterday. I didn't make it to dance class when I had wanted to, I was like committed to taking it. So I reevaluate. Is what I committed to that important? If it is, what did I need to change in my structure? Right. So I keep on reworking things. I have a important calendar. I used to not use a calendar and I always use one. Mm -hmm. Things are color coded. I put things into existence. I see what works, what doesn't work. If I don't calendar it and rem put a reminder on it, it doesn't happen. Right. Do you have a morning yeah. routine? Ooh, haha. <laughs> I have like my dream one, what I actually do. Right. What's become my morning routine is fixing breakfast. I spend like, I'll like cut up my veggies and make a scramble and make a latte. And while I do that, I listen to a podcast. I love that. Usually like a Tim Ferriss, James Altucher, Lewis House. So mm -hmm. I'm motivated. It's fun. It's light. And then I eat my breakfast and I go on with the day. Some mornings I do yoga before breakfast. I would like to read in the morning, but that's really it. So very, like, soul-based. More than, like, I wake up and I freestyle or I wake up and I plan out my whole day. Because that's, like, my mm -hmm. thing. I'm, like, the first thing I do when I wake up, I want to plan out what I have to Amazing. do. You know, but I think it's really good that you take the time. And that really shows in your free spirit is taking the time for yourself first thing in the morning. I also look at my phone, which is awful. It's, awful. it's just an addiction. I need to just move my phone to the side. I actually heard from 
Well, first of all, you're not supposed to look at your phone when you first wake up. Like, I usually look at it, and I notice a significant difference when I wake up and I turn my phone off and I go out and take a walk. Then when I lay in bed and I scroll, and I don't realize I've wasted 30 minutes scrolling, rather than I go out, I take a walk, I come back, I make breakfast, and then it's been an hour and a half being awake and just taking in the world Mm. that I don't even necessarily care about my phone. But from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., you're actually not supposed to be on your phone. It's like, I don't know, I, I was listening to this, like, goal, this person talking about his goals on YouTube, just some random guy, but... He was, like, proving that his productivity level from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. increased dramatically to where all of his work was done by 12 p.m. Because he never looked at social media. He had no distractions. So by 12 p.m., he's like, oh, well, if I want to look on social media, I've already had from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. to do all of my work that I need to for the day so I have time to do whatever I need after. That's so smart. I want to consider that. Right now I have more clients in the morning. Right. So that changes it, but there's always room. I, I agree because I also try to schedule things for the morning, mm-hmm. knowing that I love having everything done by like 6 p.m. If I don't have to do something, I can like take class, but I really, I had to start waking up at 6. That's so good. When like, do you go to sleep though? Like between midnight and 2 a.m. I don't last more than two days on that sleep schedule. You have to take naps though. That's the thing, is you can wake up at 6 a.m., work until 12, and then you can take a 20-minute to 30-minute nap at 2 p.m. I'm not, uh, so, You're not a kudos. I am not about the nap life. Yesterday, <laughs> I nap for four hours. Ooh, yeah, that's more than a nap. That's just a whole, that's a sleep for me. If I'm tired enough to take a nap, I'm not enjoying my awake time, mm-hmm. and then... I get anxiety around that 20-minute nap because I'm like, am I asleep yet? Am I asleep? Right. And then I get upset that I'm not sleeping longer, so the emotional toll is not worth it. But I think it is a great... I used to be the exact same way, and I literally... Because my dad can fall asleep anywhere, at any time, no matter what, if he turns his brain off. So I literally had to train my brain to shut off. Interesting. And be like, you're shutting off for 20 minutes. You have nothing to worry about for the next 20 minutes. Maybe you refreshed up. And just, like, telling yourself, like, you're allowed to do this. You, you only slept four hours last night. You need 20 minutes to refresh, and then you can take a nap, like, go to bed early later. You know? That's so funny. That's, like, how to do things. Me yesterday was, like, I was dragging by 2 p.m. Right. Had to watch some Jane the Virgin once I was home. And then I was, like, like dragging to bed and just, right. like, knocking out. It's like up. that sometimes, though. Not every day is energy ready to take on the day. I actually felt that way about today. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not ready to be a human today. But it's like, <laughs> once you go out, you're like, okay, I feel better. It's okay. Uh, uh. But kudos to you because, I mean, I feel like you have a schedule that works so perfectly for you. And it really keeps your mind and your spirit free and I've even noticed lately you seem a lot more grounded and organized than how you were even like six months ago and you're doing more so I'm like how the heck are you doing this I do actually when I'm doing more when I have usually actually I hit a stride so the things that I was working for I'm starting to get so I have my fitness clients getting called to teach and then I have my spark kids and then my podcast so that I just I put them in I put them in existence and they're powerful enough 
I have rehearsal with the kids and our rehearsals are really like packed. I have it on Saturday and Sunday. I need to be ready. There's no excuse, no nothing. So then I have something revolving around that. And then my clients, I need to show up for them and show up powerfully. So then my life is funneling in around these other things that I'm doing. Right. And instead of spending energy to do, the energy I was spending to get clients, well, now I'm spending it with the clients. Right. So everything's just unfolding how you need it to right now. It's unfolding, and then I'm still, like, every day or every week, like, I want to get more done. Where can I give myself more rest, and where can I give myself more efficiency? Right. Oh, and also, like, taking days off. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed. There is all the conversations I hear. Like, when yes. I say I'm tired or I'm openly obsessed with sleep, and the person next to me is like, oh, you sleep so much. I'm good off of five hours. I sleep three hours a night. Like, I get, I'm like, that is so good for you. Right. But if I don't take a true day off a week, a true day off, that means no errands, no commitments to anyone, if I don't take a true day off a week, it starts showing up in other places. Yeah, it does. Um, and sometimes it won't, like, I won't have that show up for a month. But if I look back, I need to get at least one day off a week and then ideally one day for, like, errands and chill stuff. Right. Yeah, that's the balance of being a human, you know, and not letting yourself burn out because it really does happen, especially out here. I found myself oh my always being... Just for, like, a season of, like, four months, I was, like, I'm not inspired by anything. I don't want to dance. I don't want to go out of my house. Burn out. Every single day is the exact same. It's, like, it's felt like Groundhog Day for me, you know? And then I was, like, you know what? When was the last time I did anything for myself at all? Like, just went to the beach and was, like, Taylor, you're going to enjoy today. And I did it, and I was, like, okay, so this is obviously what needs to be done to keep my soul alive is literally having time for your soul and yourself to just replenish I actually ran into a stranger on the beach the other day or I should say I prayed to God and a stranger showed up on the beach um, after my big talk in the car and he had brought up the point of how um, he really compared the human body to a battery yes and how battery is literally called cells And when a battery dies, it's because the cells of the battery die. And it's the same thing with our bodies. We have to literally recharge and do things for our body's cells to not die, whether that means going and doing stuff for our soul, what we put in our body, how much sleep we get, literally recharging. You know, so that's such an important point that I feel like even until a week ago, I didn't fully understand. I love hearing that. I've heard the car analogy also, put fuel in your tank. Definitely. Get your oil changes. I get, well, I haven't gotten adjusted now in like a month, but normally I get adjusted chiropractic once a week. We don't talk, like, there needs to be a pamphlet. Dancers, you just see people go full out. A lot of time, the dancers you hear, though, like, for a month, maybe three months, maybe a week. So you see the energy when you're putting you know, work into finite time, but right. you don't see the injuries. Right. I've, like, in Stretch and Strengthen, I see dancers come in, they're here from abroad taking class every day, like, all of them have injuries. Right. No one told them to rest. All you hear right. is a competition of how little sleep and how, exactly you know, long you can go. So. Which is crazy because if you really think about wanting to get something like this and that quick, think about how, like, this it's going to go yeah. and how, like, this it's going to last. You know, so really taking energy and taking or taking time to refuel your energy and making sure that you're in alignment 
with what you need to be is going to make sure that you have longevity too, you know. My question is also like as artists, what are we going to dance about, sing about, write about, act about, act from if you don't have life experience? Yeah, definitely. Or you don't go and live inside the culture that, you know, your dance form comes from. Right. So I totally agree with you. What is your all-time biggest goal aspiration just as Galit, not even just, like, dance speak? I don't know, man. All right. Now I know how other people feel when I ask these big questions. (laughs) I used to, you know, have, like, and I want to be on tour and this and that, and then I got sick with Lyme disease, and I started getting really excited about, um, I think I shared this with you, maybe. Well, okay, I should explain Lyme real quick. Look it up, because a lot of people have it. L-Y-M-E-S, Lyme's disease. And uh, you you get bitten by a tick or a spider, or there might be a different way you can get it that we don't know about. And it can lodge in your system, and we don't know exactly which symptoms you're going to have. So for me, I had incredible fatigue. Wow. And I should give the story, shouldn't I? Yeah. Okay. This is a huge piece, actually, of maybe my, like, inner working and what fuels me. I have always been a very driven person. I have dealt with a lot of fatigue, and so we got to know these things. I always have reasons to be tired. About three years ago, I had the opportunity to create a promo tour, and I was also dancing on it. What that means is it's six to seven songs that you choreograph, and it's usually in the summer, and it hypes people up about a new album, or whatever the artist has going on. So I was in audition, auditions, in rehearsals, running this, creating, and I was just really tired. I sent a blood test to my doctor in New York. He does alternative medicine. It's called European Biological Medicine, Manhattan Advanced Medicine, if anyone wants the name. And he found that I had Lyme in my system. So I actually, because your system technically, and there's a lot of mysteries around Lyme, it can't fight it off. So you start just accruing other things that normally you'd fight off. So I had a laundry list of things that were wrong in my system, and I need to take this for that, and I have autoimmunity. I wasn't even in shape to take antibiotics because they had to first get to the bottom of my autoimmunity that I had developed. It's where your body attacks itself. And he was told, I was told to take it easy, and I arranged that after the opening show for the artist, I'd fly to New York and get an initial treatment for autoimmunity so I could go take antibiotics for Lyme. So imagine getting that news when you have this new big opportunity in your life. And I thought I was taking it easy. Right. I, I would drink, like, coffee whenever I, I couldn't get my energy together. It's, it's like our energy is elastic. So you find that you can usually get second wind. You can bounce right. back. When I had Lyme, it... I would just fall flat. I pushed with everything I had, and I started understanding how much energy we're constantly creating. Because right. even teaching it just felt like just felt like having five hundred pounds on all the time, energetically. So I kept going though, and I, I thought that I was taking things easier. I did not know how to relax. I start taking antibiotics as I'm going on tour with the artist, doing different spot dates, and my mom has an emergency. She fractured her hip in five places wow. and she's never asked me to come home and she's like honey I need you to come here for like a week and just I can't do anything my right. brother was in Europe I figure out how to get covered for a show and I go to New York in New York she's like you should see how the antibiotics are working 
So it wasn't even me being in charge of my own health. I just want to get into the mentality. That's me as driven dancer self. Right. Just doing as much as possible and thinking I'm taking it easy. I find out while I'm in New York the antibiotics weren't working. Right. So I started doing something called antimicrobial, and it was, I just had needed three treatments, but it was so intense on your vein. It would be like three, sorry, six hours on an IV. Wow. But I was told not to use my arm beyond five pounds if I need to hold a grocery bag for mm-hmm. like over a month per arm. Wow. So as a dancer. As a, right. And my biggest fear is, you know, we'll be out of class for three days and be like, oh my God, I feel, you know. Right. For me, it'd be like, I'm, I'm scared that my body's going to change, and... I'm going to put on the weight that I had in college that right. it's okay to, you know, have your body how it is. But I had worked hard to get into my dancer body and right. I wanted to move. And I actually was like, okay, well, I need to go back on tour. And I remember the artist was not approving. Right. And I got dancers. You always want to be responsible for the role that you play. I didn't need to, but I made sure. Thank you, Natalie Davis, who was dancing on the tour. And she trained and uh, her name is Taylor... Nabbit, it's another tailor, and I'm blanking on her name because you're a tailor. Sorry. No, it's okay. Shoot! But basically, a dancer took my spot. I paid for half of the cost of the plane ticket. The artist was very upset with me, has never spoken to me again. Wow. I want to like get into the... I'm sorry for making this story like no, longer. I, I appreciate this. Story. We would be on the phone, and his manager would plead with me, and I was like, "The line, you don't know what it's going to cause in your system. So if it's not treated, it can turn into cancer. Right. It can turn into very rare cases, but it can turn into paralysis." Wow. And I wasn't. I was so afraid to upset the artist and to ruin anything professionally that I was not willing to take care of my health. And my mom and my doctor were like, "No, like you need to handle this now." And I was secretly relieved that there was somebody fighting for my health because I wasn't. So I was like, okay. So I did the treatments. And the second that I let go of that job, I got how tired I was. And as the treatment started, they didn't tell me this would happen. My symptoms got even bigger. It's called die-off. It makes it worse before it gets better. Right. And they they told me, like, oh, you can expect to feel better maybe in two months, which I didn't. I was so tired. I was basically in bed in New York for a month. I didn't tell people what I was dealing with. I told a couple of people, and I think they kind of didn't know how to treat it. They're like, okay. You know, if I had a conversation with someone, I'd need to take a nap after. Right. And I was like, wow, I put so much energy into my life. It's precious. And that's when I could sit and look at my career, and I was like, I have not felt right as a dancer in these rooms, in these cattle calls like next to 300 other dancers in their crop tops there's something about it I was so resistant to my path and I was like I'm relieved that I I can not go to audition and it's gonna be okay because I can't because I'm sick I was relieved right and I slowly I came back to LA after a month and I slowly started you know taking a little bit of work but I didn't feel I I can't describe to you like how low I felt. I had friends that were, you know, I was like an absent friend. I didn't tell people mostly that I was sick. And a lot of people don't understand if you have like chronic fatigue or Lyme's because you can look fine, right. but you're not inside. You just don't feel okay. Right. And I also didn't realize I had had mild depression, which can be, it can um, affect you mentally. Absolutely. So I kind of, I was in LA and I was barely seeing anyone. And I remember my first dance class back, it was a class that Othan taught. 
she's so full out and I was just so happy to be in dance class and I'm like looking around I'm just excited to be there dancing right. screw a job screw anything and that's when I, I like I really got like I love dance I love the art and I got smarter about business because I didn't have a million hours of energy in me so I got right. more discerning with the jobs I took I started actually earning more money in less time wow. so I learned these lessons like because I had to at 10 months I found out that I had Lyme again this wow. is about two years ago now five days later this boyfriend broke up with me but it wasn't because of Lyme and it's fine it was like all better in the picture which right. I went back into it and I got a different type of treatment called colloidal silver and it was over 10 weeks but I started feeling better with those treatments which I hadn't felt the initial time right again like I didn't tell anyone I was sick so this is like two years wow. of feeling crappy kind of and slowly since then, two years, I f it was finally out of my system. I slowly started really getting back into like my physical life, my active life. Right. And now I have more energy than I did before Lyme, and I have more appreciation. Wow. I don't know how I got into the Lyme story. I don't either, but that was that's such a huge piece of information that I really appreciate because... Like, I've, I've had scoliosis since I was 14, and I feel like every day is a really big struggle. Mm -hmm. And it feels so alone having something set you back when other people don't. And it makes you very, like, well, they don't have to deal with it, so, like, they don't even understand and blah, blah, blah. But to see you where you are now after going through all of that is very inspiring. Oh. And definitely makes me want to be like, okay, well, if she can get through that... I can get through whatever and it's really just all about taking care of yourself first you know and those obstacles and see it could have been worse like one of the common symptoms are joint swelling and pain and I didn't get that thank wow. god but it gave me obstacles to work around so it let me get more specific right. so that's actually when I came back I was looking more teaching jobs than dance jobs and then I was like oh my god like I really love teaching right because I wasn't trying to do 10 trillion times like sorry things and then you know, less hours that I could work. Okay, right. let me stop taking those, you know, bottom feeder jobs or right. things that aren't worth my... I understood now the concept of worth your time. Right. So sometimes those obstacles can actually give us access to more strengths. Definitely. Um, my original question was, <laughs> what's your all-time biggest goal and aspiration? Oh, snap. So that's when I became really uh, into... I'm just really happy and grateful for now... And I think it's so important to plan into a future that you love. But I was like, let me, like, screw that because my whole 10-year plan has just gone to the trash. Right. I... Okay, can you ask the question one more time? <laughs> What's your all-time biggest goal and aspiration? I want to have that be my inquiry for this week or this life. But what I do know, it's freaking broad... I want to be able to share who I am with an abundance of people. So let's say that I get into the hearts or ears or eyes of 100 million people in a way that inspires them to be themselves more and embrace their gifts and their own journey. Because I feel like, and I know so many people feel like this, I feel like... I didn't fit in. I still don't. I don't make sense to a lot of people. A lot of the times, the things I told, I was told like I need to work on were actually my strengths. Right. So, because when I started dancing, I wasn't really good, and I was 
that older kid in the class with the young kids, right. I fought that much harder, so that taught me how to have fire, for instance. Right. Or I was made fun of when I was growing up, and I learned, like, oh, there's actually a quirky side, and I can make people laugh. Right. But I, like, no one's going to tell you, like, hey, you can make people laugh. They're going to laugh at you sometimes. Right. I, so when I saw people, like, I think of, oh, is it not Nina Suvari? Is it Mina Suvari? It's someone, she has like really big eyes. And she was in American Pies before, a little bit before your time. And she was like flat chested and had a big forehead. Okay. And she was so confident that I remember seeing her on TV. And I have a big forehead and pretty flat. And I remember seeing her. <laughs> Girl, preach into the choir over here. <laughs> I remember seeing her and she was so confident in who she was. It gave me a gift of confidence. Right. So I want to be that for people and in all aspects. I love that. I think that's amazing. Thank you. So what advice then do you have, or is there anything specific you want to say? You kind of asked me the same thing. Um, to the younger generation, then, you know, to people your age, since you are right in the middle of everything, and then to the OGs, quote-unquote. Peace. Today's OGs. Okay, in terms of dance or... It's a good Whatever question. comes to your mind. Okay. I'm going to keep this t- in the context of dance. Perfect. To the younger generation, I would say, please, please, please get excited. Well, you can't ask them to get excited, but get excited about all the branches of dance and dig deep into the history and what's going on and get really curious as if it were a treasure hunt of all the different facets and corners of the dance world. Right. And commit yourself to really being a student there and honoring that because you have that torch to pass on to this next generation and the rest of the world. We're watching. We're inspired by you. Right. My generation, I feel like it just thins out. Like, around, I'm close to 30, and I noticed around 26, 27, I don't know if it's right, people, like, drop like flies out of the dance world. I always wondered about it, and now I understand it. It's because around that age, you start wanting different things. Right. Oh, snap. What do I want to say to my peers? Let's all connect with each other and do a better job of it. Mm -hmm. And because we're in this great window where our bodies in five years, I'm I'm playing the game that I'll be 70, breaking it down, like killing it. Right. But we still have a, a, it'll be more than five years, but we still have youth with us. But we also have this precious that time is like life isn't forever. And it hits you in a new way around this time. And I know people that are 20 years old or 15 might eye roll at what I just said. But let's help each other and let's get there. Right. Let's get there and let's push and let, you know, let our purposes prevail. Because we have also maturity, a certain level of maturity now to share. Right. Experience. Experience. And our bodies might not let us do this forever. Right. So let's do that and let's connect. Let's be the connectors and do a really great job of it. And I then that. I think that's very important. Thank you. And I, I give that to all generations. It's right. just where I'm standing, if I could yell it to a room full of people. Right. Because starting to do that also, like, um, collaborate more. Mm-hmm. It just, you open up. Like, let's right. have dinner at each other's houses and see, like, what's important. Like, what's the legacy you want to leave? Right. A lot of dancers, have, like, they pass in their 30s and, not a lot, whoa. But there's been, like, an eerie amount that, like, 30s, 40s, 50s, something happens and they leave us early. Right. And then uh, the term OG has been, like, heavily debated, I've seen on Facebook. Right. but definitely. Let's say to about 
you know, what do I say, like mid 40s and not 50s, and you're not old. It's just if you're in the dance world, it's. I think it's considered OGs. It should be more of um, not game game changers is the wrong word. Just the people who really paved the way for us to have uh, what we have. Okay, and there are many different types of paved the ways. That are still involved, I You're saying say. it really well. Pave the way that are still involved. Right. I mean, just a ge- generation or two older and right. above. Please keep on connecting with us. And instead of putting too much energy on everything that's wrong, like, it's fine to just define it. Like, hey, this right. is what's missing. Please put the energy on giving and let's together figure out how to spread your gift even more. Because my view is that there's a frustration of, I mean, I get that frustration too. There's a frustration of the generations that's more detached from social media on sharing their gems. Like, I've had guests here that are just, you know, they've been on tour with everybody and they they are amazing and they can't get a class in a studio. And they're like, so they're set, you know, left there to rant or not teach. Let's find a way. Game on. That's your challenge. Let's right. find a way to get you connected with everyone else because Definitely. you have something special. And please, if you can, mentor how you can. Uh, you know, one of my... I've not had a lot of mentorship, but I could say that Dallas Ziegler and her way did it. And she's... I've talked about her before. She's a whacker and she's a jazz dancer. And she passed around the age of 50 and she didn't tell... I didn't know that she was sick. But the things that she could give me as a 50-year-old who'd been through it as a dancer was, like, everything. It sticks with me still. Right. And the confidence you can give to other dancers when you just believe in them or work with them is incredible, so. Right. Yeah, make yourself available and, yeah. I definitely agree, and I feel like it sucks that there's such a big gap. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, in age. We think anyone older than us is looking down on us, and anyone younger than us is too naive to know things. Mm. But um, I think that especially out here, it's so important for us to stay connected and understand who paved the path and why and understand who's paving the path now and what these children are doing for upcoming generations, you know? Because I, I think that dance, dance is tribal. Right. It's what, you know, a way that you told stories in tribal times and for tribes, it's a tribe thing. So it's meant to be and you pass down. So in a tribal setting, I believe you have your elders. Right. And then you have the you know the current generation of leaders and then you have the kids and you pass it down through oral and physical uh tradition you tell stories you explain things and you show and you do and you pass the torch literally and that's how dance is meant to be and that's that's who we are in our hearts but it's gotten so dispersed that we're missing the tribal tradition and if we could create that in LA in little microcosms you might have it with crews and stuff but if we could create it I think we're going to get a lot more whole and complete right I agree so I have a final two questions Uh. so my first one is what's something you've done or been a part of that most people don't know about you Um, and I also wanted to make a sub little category of like what you're most proud of within that like, if there's something you're most proud of that most people don't know about you. Um, can I say a few things that people might not know? And if you know that I'm leaving something out, can you tell me? Yeah. <laughs> I've been written about in two different dance books. One, I think it's called, shoot, I need to get the name, So You Think You Want to Dance. Okay. It's like a play on that. And another one is 25 Top uh, Dancers. I'm going to be getting the name slightly wrong. God. Very cool. <laughs> 
I had a dance crew at USC. I started, I started what I didn't see was there. So I created it, I choreographed for it. It was a USC recognized organization. We were written up about in the paper. Um, and you created it. I created the founder of it. I'm the founder. Is it still going on today? Nope. I here's a part of my personality aside that might some people might not know, especially then. I was like, I don't see anyone that I can pass the torch to, so I won't. Right. That's sad. Bye guys. Right. And I'd be like, if it if it's not right, I sometimes leave it. I um you know, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> Definitely. If it's not there, it's not there. It would have been know? nice too though, but yeah. Um is there anything that I'm leaving out? Not that I specifically can think of. I guess I would want to know just what you're most proud of. I can hear my mom's voice in my head. She had a talk with me the other day. She was like, there's a bunch of stuff, honey. You don't give credit. <laughs> she doesn't even talk like that, by the way. She has an accent and does not talk in a high right. voice. She has like a, a kind That's of deep like one. go-to mom yeah. voice. She's like, you have a lot, of, a lot of things. You need to share it. You need to have a list of things. And here I am not knowing what I've done. Right. What am I most proud of? Okay, one is... So I've taught at Broadway Dance Center, and you guys, I started at Broadway Dance Center not able to follow class yet, like just lost in the back. And I never, you know, as a short person, I'm never in the back anymore. I don't care how, whatever I am. Right. And I took class for years, and that was the go, you know, one of the main studios, and I admired the teachers, and I, I remember being younger and being like, I just want to be old enough to like hang out after class. Right. And, you know, I've been kind of, studios have not always been that receptive. It's very competitive. And I've taught at Broadway Dance Center, I think, three times now. Okay. In my home city, the place that I took class at where I was in the back, or the teachers were not always, you know, sometimes it'd be like, what's, like, why can't you get this? Right. I've gotten to be that, so I'm really, really proud of it. And... Full circle. Full circle. I'm like, if I could just, especially when people are like, they give up on themselves because they're like, I'm not as good or whatever. I'm like, you don't know where I started. Right. Everything that I do really well is like, I did really bad at, so I had to work on. And then this podcast, because it was something that I wanted to do, but didn't know how to do at 16 before I knew of this platform. Right. And... I've kept up with it for over a year, and I've gone out of my comfort zone and made it happen. I'm so proud of it. (laughs) It's amazing. Thank you. I'll tell you if nobody else tells you, which I sure (laughs) hope that they do, that it is so amazing. Thank you. And I definitely am not someone to just be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Good job. So proud of you. But, (laughs) But it is seriously incredible, especially in our industry to have a mind of your own and want to do something of your own and just making sure it gets done no matter what every single week even if you skip out on weeks who cares you're still doing it you're still working towards it on the week that it's not put out you know what I mean so yeah share it I did a, a free day of dance called freedom of expression while I was uh working with Prince or it was like right after I forget it was a project for the community and it was for at-risk youth and teens. It was hosted by Lula. So I got Lula Washington to host the space. Oh, wow. And then I got, I think I had three choreographers come in because I wanted to give industry to the kids who, like, 
if you grew up in that setting, usually where you don't have access to a lot, that's usually where some cultural magic has also occurred. Right. So it's really messed up not to have access to it. So, oh, okay. Zo, the dance hall Zo, Zagazo, Lorenzo, right. Hannah, he came and taught. And so they were doing this for free. I want to say that Wisdom, Wisdom did it. He's from St. Louis. And then Dennis Teach McKinley who, I don't know if he still is, but he choreographed for Cisco for years. He came and taught. He's from the Bay. Very cool. And then I had Danielle, Jewel, and the twins as a panel at the end. And we worked with these kids, and it was free, and I made it happen. I would like to have done that every year, so I pose that challenge, how can I keep that going? But I'm proud of it because I want to create connectivity with the actual communities that don't get dance. Right. And my very last question (laughs) for you... Um, which might be broad, but it is, what is your purpose? <laughs> I'm going to roll on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the hardest ah! question to ask anybody, but it really, it says so much about why you do what you do. It's a great question. The broad answer, and there might be little ones, but the broad one is, I am meant for people to show up greater than they think they could. So it's an experience of having someone be understood sometimes, or it can be that I really believe everyone has such a magic inside of them and something so special. Right. And I'm meant to pull that out of them and have them be heard and have them be self-expressed and have them be connected with. Definitely. That's my purpose. I love that. And it shines in everything <laughs> that you do. You know, having Thank this you. platform, the way that you teach, the way that you reach out to see if I want to work on a Monday and get coffee <laughs> with you and make sure that we're both holding each other accountable. Um, I think you do a great job and you really show your purpose and how you live. So Thank you. Of course. You did great. Thank you. I feel <laughs> I'm so great. honored that you had me on here and I I truly hope that this gets to hundreds of millions of years and you. that your audience appreciates you as much as I do. Aw, thank you. Of course. So, how can people find you on social media, your personal and your uh, your podcast? Ah, uh, uh, it's <laughs> Instagram is at gogalit, G-O-G-A-L-I-T. That's also my website, gogalit.com. It leads to two different websites. Dance Speak Podcast for Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast and on Facebook at Dance Speak Podcast. I always love being connected with. I'm open to feedback. Just like be nice, but like you can be direct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to feedback, recommendations, what you want to hear about, what inspires you or any questions you have from me, um, someone who has a podcast, Dance World Fitness. Yeah. Sounds great to me. You have any last words for your audience? Go for it. Like, just go for it. If you have something that you know you really want to do and you question it and you keep on asking why and you just know you're meant to do it, go for it. You're meant to follow it. I've had a lot unravel for me in the best of ways when I started owning my process and just how I talked about Lyme and the clarity I got from it. I was resisting being a leader and being the person who starts things. 
I just felt like I'll do that later in life or it's just too unsafe because no one's telling you that. It's your internal state that's indicating for you to go and be a leader. Once I owned it and the more I own it, the more I'm happy, the more I get to contribute to others and other things in my life work. So just go for it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our Dance Speak podcast. For inquiries, suggestions, comments on your favorite guests or who you'd like to see on the show, please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-C-E-S-P-E-A-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check back in next week for our latest interview. Thank you so much.